Hi, I'm Clarissa, and you are listening to Listen and Know, a premenstrual disorder health podcast. This podcast is for women who are struggling with premenstrual disorders, PMDs. I'll be talking about everything from symptoms to treatments to coping strategies. If you're new to PMDs, you're not alone. Millions of women around the world suffer from these conditions, and yet PMDs are still relatively unknown and misunderstood. That's why I'm here. I want to raise awareness of PMDs and help women who are struggling to find the support they need. I'll be releasing new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe and leave me a rating and a review. And if you have any questions or topics that you'd like me to cover, please let me know. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me on this journey to better understand and manage PMDs. Please note, this podcast might bring up topics that are sensitive in nature because we share personal experiences with PMDs. Well, hello again, you guys. Welcome back to Listen and Know, a PMD perspective podcast. I want to thank you all for the great support that you guys have given me as I have relaunched my podcast and I am working to better myself and give you guys this education as always. Um, I am working frantically on getting these onto platforms versus just my website. So I appreciate your patience there. And I'm looking forward to our topic today. Um, in this episode, we are actually going to talk about female hormones, what they are, what they do and how they affect our health. We'll also discuss some of the things that can affect our hormone levels and what we can do to keep them in a good range. I want to say something as a caveat here. We hear so many times that women need to balance their hormones, but hormones aren't ever balanced. We want to keep them in harmony and we want to keep them and at good levels for our body. So technically we can never have them balanced just because we're changing every day. We talked about our infradian rhythm last time. And so never think of them as in balance more than in harmony with each other and within our bodies, uh, good levels in our bodies. So if I mess up and say balance, that's because that is the cultural accepted way to discuss hormones, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a scale that needs to be balanced. I'm talking about, um, the levels within our body. So All right. So what are hormones in general? Hormones are chemical messengers and female hormones are a group of hormones that are responsible for the development and maintenance of female sex characteristics. So all men and women have about 50, 55 known hormones in their body. So we all have the same amount of hormones. We just have different levels of each one of those hormones hormones. So hormones play a role, uh, in the variety of what our body looks like, how our body functions. It includes, uh, how we reproduce our mood and our metabolism. So hormones include so many factors that our bodies run off of so many systems that our bodies run off of are ran by hormones, um, ran or run, (laughs) I don't know. We'll just keep going. Okay. So the three main female hormones are estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, which is interesting because testosterone is usually known as a male hormone, 
but females have that same hormone as well. We just don't have the same amount in our body. Okay. So estrogen is responsible for the development of female secondary sexual characteristics, such as our breasts, our hips, and our hair growth. It plays a role in the menstrual cycle in pregnancy and in menopause. Estrogen helps keep our skin uh, nice and plump and elastic, uh, wrinkle-free, very young, very nice looking. Um, Progesterone is a hormone that prepares the body for pregnancy, and then it helps to thicken the lining of the uterus and the body to um, be more receptive to accepting that embryo or that fertilized egg that drops into the uterus uh, after ovulation. So progesterone also plays a role in maintaining pregnancy. So we have to have a certain level of progesterone in our bodies in order to be able to maintain pregnancy. And then finally, we have testosterone. It's a hormone found in, like I said, both men and women. In women, testosterone plays roles in sexual desire, muscle mass, and bone density. Remember that, um, let's talk about levels for a little bit. So when your menstrual cycle starts, all of your hormones are fairly low. Testosterone peaks a little bit during ovulation, about one time a month, but most of the time it stays pretty level. What's interesting about that is as a female goes into her menstrual cycle and starts her menstrual cycle and all her hormones drop to a lower level, her testosterone is at a different ratio with progesterone and estrogen than normally. So like normally we're estrogen and progesterone are higher and testosterone lower as estrogen and progesterone drop. We are more even with testosterone creating different ratios. And therefore a female body is most like a male's chemistry during the week of menstruation. So kind of an interesting little fact there. And, um, and then progesterone and estrogen rise for ovulation in the second week of the cycle and they peak at ovulation. So once that egg is released, then progesterone and estrogen, uh, and testosterone drop again. Um, and that peak is the highest peak that it's going to be all month. So we'll talk a little bit about sensitivities to this, to those hormones in just a second, but remember progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone all give their own peak during ovulation. And it kind of is, you know, they're at different levels, but they all are the highest level in the body or should be that week period. Um, or at that time. So then they drop in the follicular phase, second half of the cycle. If you want to know about menstrual phases, go check out that episode. Just a couple episodes ago, we talked about, um, the menstrual cycle and gave the different phases and what that looks like. So if you need that education, feel free to go back to episodes and listen to that or watch that. Um, anyway, so progesterone and estrogen and testosterone drop after ovulation. Then they peak again at the end of the luteal phase. So the last couple of days of the luteal phase, they peak for a second time, but it's not nearly as high as when it peaks during ovulation. And the rise is longer and the fall is longer than the ovulation peak, which is very steep on both sides in 
the luteal phase before the menstrual cycle starts, it's a very slow peak. Now, remember when we talked about the menstrual cycle from ovulation all the way until the bleed starts until our cycle is finished, if that egg is fertilized, our body needs to house that egg as if it were pregnant. So our body actually thinks it's pregnant for two weeks out of every month and our hormones act accordingly in case it needs to continue to take care of that fertilized egg. Okay. Um, uh, let's discuss a little bit about how PMS or PMDD or PME works with these hormones. Okay. So if you are sensitive, if you have PME or PMS or PMDD, you are going to have a sensitivity to these changing hormone levels. It doesn't mean that your estrogen is clear off the charts. It doesn't mean that you're lacking testosterone at all. However, those are hormonal disorders, but in light of any sort of premenstrual disorder, that is not the case. What the case is in a premenstrual disorder is that you have an, a negative reaction to these levels changing, not necessarily how high or low they are, although they might be high or low for your body. So it's important to harmonize the hormones in your body to good levels for what your body can handle and keep that as much as possible in those healthy ranges. But to consider that even if you're in a healthy range, you still might experience a premenstrual disorder. Um, and we talked a little bit about what those signs and symptoms look like in another episode, and we'll dive more into each one as we go along here as well in upcoming episodes. Um, but so again, knowing where you have abnormal mood reactions to, um, your hormone levels, and then comparing that to where the peaks and valleys are can help you understand if maybe you are more susceptible to being, uh, changed or have an abnormal reaction if your hormone, when your hormone levels are in a valley or if they're in a peak or if they're, uh, in the ovulation steep peak, or if they're in the luteal phase, more mountain-esque, uh, hill and valley so that you can then start to dissect ways or studies that might be applicable to you, such as how to keep your estrogen, uh, in a, uh, a little bit lower or how to boost your estrogen or testosterone, those kinds of things to help those levels stay in good ranges for you so that then you don't have as severe of reaction to these shifting hormones, right? We want to maybe keep that ebb and flow, not as high and low, but more stable, right? And we can't necessarily completely stabilize that. We don't want to do that because we need these hormones in our body. For example, estrogen keeps our brain functioning. So it keeps us smart and sharp and be able to critically think in multiple areas and multiple facets. Progesterone helps our body relax. And it's like, remember we talked about it being like summer in ovulation. That's because your progesterone is high. Progesterone helps you slow down and calm down. And so we want to have 
those female hormones in our bodies, we just don't necessarily like the reaction to them. So don't think of hormones as a bad thing. Think of them as a really good thing. Again, they help tell us when we're hungry. Hormones help tell us when we're hungry, when we uh, have eaten too much or we're done eating. Hormones tell us when to go to sleep. And so we want to shift the stigma of, oh, you're just being hormonal to, oh my gosh, everybody's hormonal. Let's look at that in a more positive light. Let's shift that light into what can we do to help stabilize your reaction to good hormones in your body, right? Um, along with what female sex hormones are, then we have like the happy hormones and the stress hormones. And those are in general bodies that we will have. Um, I'm going to make note to have another discussion about all the different other hormones that might play factors in helping you manage uh, premenstrual disorders or minimize symptoms of premenstrual disorders as well. Hormones are produced in glands uh, in the body all over, um, in the brain, in the neck, in the breasts, in the underarms, in the uh, uh, ovaries, down in the legs, um, in our gut. Actually, the majority of our hormones are actually produced in our gut. So if you want to think about what you're feeding your body and that it has to travel through your stomach and your intestines, you might want to consider maybe shifting from sugary foods or processed foods into more whole foods, excuse me, <coughs> so that you can give your gut better health and therefore create better hormones. Um, hormones travel through the bloodstream to reach their target tissues. So even thinking about having a lot of sugar in your blood might affect the, the chemical messenger that a hormone is going from your brain or other parts of your body to what actually is needed, uh, where it's actually needed. So once again, once they reach these target tissues, hormones bind to the receptors on sales and trigger a response. The response can vary depending on the hormone and the tissue. Like we talked about progesterone slowing things down. When I have high progesterone in my body as a female, weightlifting is probably not a really great thing for me because my reaction time is slow. There have been studies that show that females who are, who have high progesterone there at certain points in their cycle, if they were a professional athlete have a slower reaction time. So a goalie would take up to 35% more time to react to a ball coming to the goal. And so it would be wise for coaches and athletes to know where they're at in their hormone cycle so that they can utilize those functions uh, better and maybe switch out the goalie for the day and put the person who has a slower reaction time to maybe a longer runner on the field because they have more endurance than that reaction time. So it would be wise for coaches to know these things. It would be wise for parents to know these things if they have girls, for husbands to understand these things, as well as all females who have female biochemistry to understand the pros of having their hormones where they're at and also the things to look out for so that they can utilize appropriately their bodies in the right way and make it more of a superpower than a limitation. Um, hormones play many aspects of health, including our growth and development. So women who have high estrogen tend to gain 
weight around their middle. So a lot of the times I can see in clients when they come to visit me or I'm uh, working with them virtually, I can tell if they have maybe high estrogen because they are gaining weight around their middle. Same with progesterone. So we can maybe utilize that message that their body has sent them to help regulate or lower that estrogen, or it might be that their body isn't flushing out the estrogen between every cycle. And so then we work on estrogen disposal foods and exercises to be able to help them, uh, again, harmonize those, uh, that weight gain, right? And you see that a lot with women who are aging as their hormones slow down, then they start gaining weight in places that they normally didn't have weight gain. And again, that's, that's because hormones are shifting. And so if you don't know your hormones, if you don't know where your body's at and listen and know your body, uh, which means like understanding what your body's trying to tell you, and then having the knowledge of what that means and being able to act on that, um, then we might have significant weight gain in areas that we don't want to. And that's why it's important to get the education either from like a podcast like this or from a coach who works with female hormones. Um, Caution there. If you are ever working with a nutritionist or personal trainer, make sure that they're training you as a female and not with male biochemistry, because then you are going to have issues. So make sure that you're looking for the right kind of trainer. If not, if you have a PMD, a premenstrual disorder, you could really be affected by uh, training the wrong way, training for the wrong type of body and the wrong type of biochemistry. Um, hormones play a a vital role in sexual function. Again, testosterone helps that libido go up. So uh, watch during ovulation, how you are feeling. Um, it's, it's a lot more easy to be turned on to reach orgasm during sex, those kinds of things, um, as well as uh, releasing eggs. If you don't have the right type of hormonal harmony in your body, your egg will not be uh, healthy. It will ha not have the environment that it needs to thrive. If you are looking to get pregnant, um, hormones play a role in our metabolism. So again, as people age and their hormone production slows down, their appetite tends to slow down, but they're not using food as efficiently. So they actually need to switch how they're eating. So it's important that you gain this knowledge while you are young so that you can kind of beat hormones to the punch or be aging to the punch, I guess to say, because hormones are so helpful in our metabolism in helping us stay healthy. I mean, I remember the days that I could have a 12 ounce Valencia orange sun-kissed soda and a Snickers for lunch, which my lunch was at three o'clock after school. Cause I didn't eat during lunchtime right before dance. And I would dance for seven hours. And then I'd come home and eat like two dinners right in a row. Cause I was so hungry, but that's the difference in change in my metabolism as I have gotten older. And now I'm like this constant need for premium gasoline in my body. <laughs> and and I can't, you know, run off of orange soda and a Snickers anymore. I have to run off something else. And that's just because my hormones have changed my body throughout the many years that I have had hormones going through my body. Um, hormones play an aspect in mood. So most premenstrual disorders come with very significant mood changes. So why 
wouldn't it be obvious to us to minimize the amount of hormonal imbalance or hormonal disharmony dissonance that we have so that we minimize the mood disorders that come with premenstrual disorders. Also sleep. If you're eating a high sugar diet, you're going to affect your hormones. If you are on a screen late at night, you are going to affect your hormones. And therefore you are then going to throw off melatonin. You're going to throw off uh, your menstrual cycle as well, because of those things. Um, also hormones play a vital role in your appetite. They tell you when you're hungry. Like I said, they tell you when you're hungry, they tell you when you're not hungry. So if you're overeating, if you're not honoring that, if you're eating foods that are very calorie dense, if you're eating what I call in coaching, no break foods, where there's not any sort of nutrition to tell you to stop eating because it's been so processed then you're overeating and you're just telling your hormones, Hey, I don't need you. Cause I'm going to run how I want to run. And then we're working against our hormones instead of with our hormones. And we really want to be able to work with our hormones. And that's my whole purpose here is to teach people that premenstrual disorders can be minimized as much as possible. And you can work with your hormones instead of, uh, keeping that stigma of how negative hormones can be. Um, Hormone levels can be affected by so many different things, which is really unfortunate. But when you think about how every single process from uh, respiratory to digestive to uh, reproductive, um, all of those processes are run by hormones, it makes sense that all the stimuli coming at us and everything we consume as a human being is going to affect those, uh, the, the structure of the hormones, the level of the hormones. So let's talk about some of those factors. So the first factor that can be, that can affect hormones is age, right? Um, I have an 11 year old who is just headed into that development, right? I'm seeing the physical signs of hormones. So more greasy hair, uh, body odor, budding breasts, those kinds of things that I am visually seeing. But then there's also the emotional aspects of what hormones do to our body. So when kids are younger, they actually only have about seven base emotions. And then as they get into teenagehood and into adulthood, we actually develop a very uh, more deep and wide range of emotions. So instead of just happy and sad, it can be frustrated. It can be irritated. And so we start seeing these other emotions come in, but our kids brains haven't developed enough to know how to handle those. And so as parents, it's wise for us to clue in like, okay, hormones are starting instead of being like, oh, it's just hormones. We can be like, oh my gosh, they're turning into an adult, which is what I want. Cause I don't necessarily want my kids to live with me forever. And I want them to be self-sufficient and independent. And so I'm going to teach them about the emotions that they're having. We're going to help their brain develop. Um, I love Dr. Shafali's work of parenting. She has a book called the conscious parent, and she talks about how uh, kids are not raising parent or parents are not raising kids, but kids are raising parents, forgive me. And so I love the idea of parents needing to be the prefrontal cortex for their kids. Cause their kids' brains literally have not developed. 
uh, and how that helps develop parents' patience and things like that. But I like the idea of that's why we have to constantly remind our kids like, okay, can you now take out the garbage? Will you please take out the garbage? Okay. I've asked you a couple of times. It's because their prefrontal cortex just has not fully developed, even though they're experiencing all these physical symptoms, they're experiencing all these suggested feelings that they just don't know what to do with. So there's the younger age. Then there's like a mid age where we've had hormones long enough that it starts changing the shape of a female body, right? Uh, We're not stick thin anymore. We're not, you know, all one size fits all where boys and girls look about the same, but girls become a lot curvier over time because they've had that estrogen and progesterone in their body for longer periods of time. Um, and, and it is shaping us what I like to say, like it's shaping a female body. And then we go into, you know, the menopausal, the premenopausal, perimenopausal type years, postmenopausal, where we have, uh, the, the hormones slowly stopping. Now, remember they don't come to a full stop. They slowly stop over time. And so we need to watch that and be aware of that, um, And educate ourselves on what that needs to look like, because that's going to affect, uh, again, like our, our mood, our sleep, our appetite, our growth, uh, physically and mentally, our sexual function will change as well as we age. Um, what else can be affected by hormones or what else can affect our hormones is stress. Last year when I did my pageant, my period was not supposed to start for five days and it ended up being five days early. I was so stressed out during the pageant that it literally triggered my body to shed its lining. So my period started during the pageant, even though that was not part of the plan. (laughs) I'll just leave that there, but it kind of threw things for a loop. Um, in a lot of areas, but it's, you've heard that when sometimes when females get under so much stress that they'll lose their pregnancy, it's the same thing. Uh, my body thinks is pregnant. I'm under so much stress that my body says, Nope, this is not a good time and sheds that lining. Right. Um, so stress can affect, uh, how, how much or how many of our hormones are made. And therefore then we have like lower levels or too high of levels. Um, This year for pageant, my period was over and I was in the middle of my cycle. So I was right, um, I was right after my period had stopped and then my period ended up being four days late this year, um, post pageant, probably also from the stress of pageant and my body just not handling that whole circumstance very well because it was before ovulation. And then I needed to de-stress in order to be able to release an egg, which caused my cycle to be a lot longer. And, um, in fact, my PMDD was much more severe, uh, post pageant than before the pageant because of all the stress that was in my body, um, from the pageant. So I'm a true believer that our body manifests, uh, the stress in very physical ways. And so that's, that's a belief of mine that my PMDD was harder than normal. My, because I was holding onto that stress and needed to detoxify from that stress. Um, our diet, huge, huge, important factor of our hormones. Um, 
a good example of this is my mother is a breast cancer survivor and her breast cancer was based on hormones. So it was a hormonal cancer. And one thing that she learned from her doctors is that the cancer she had, which I'm sure a lot of other cancers are that way, but the specific one that she had literally fed off of sugar. And so he advised her heart and soul or she, I can't remember if my mom, the doctor, we'll just say the doctor, um, heart and soul to, uh, stay off as much sugar as possible and eat a whole foods diet where that cancer did not have food to feed off of. And that food would have been the sugar in her blood, uh, from what she ate. So when we think of, when I think about it that way, I don't want to ever get that type of cancer. And so it would be wise for me, uh, being, you know, half of my mom's genetics and maybe having that cancer marker to be able to limit, uh, my intake of sugars. I also know that limiting my intake of sugars also helps with my PMDD because if I am limiting how my estrogen, which also feeds off of sugar, by the way, if I'm limiting how much estrogen I have in my body, or if I'm limiting, uh, how much is produced, then I probably have less of a mountain and valley in ups and downs. And so then I'm having less reaction to abnormal levels of hormones, right? Um, let alone having a normal, having an abnormal reaction to normal levels of hormones. Exercise affects our hormones. When we exercise, we burn off the stress hormone for the first 30 minutes. The second 30 minutes. If you're working out for an hour, anything past 30 minutes, if you're doing high intensity workout actually causes stress in the body. So if you're looking to de-stress, keep your workout under 30 minutes. Um, that would look like, uh, during PMDD during luteal phase, if you have a premenstrual disorder, anytime you're experiencing that it's okay to move your body, but you want to keep it at a lower intensity and or under 30 minutes so that you don't start. And it's, you know, of course it's different for everybody. It's not like exactly 30, but you don't want to go into distress because then your body will start, uh, creating cortisol instead of burning it off. So some things to think about exercise also helps keep most progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone at very healthy, normal ranges, whether or not you have an abnormal reaction to that is something different. But again, we do want to keep our hormones in these normal ranges, uh, to minimize symptoms as much as possible. Then medications can affect hormones. I don't know if you, you know, like especially birth control, it's messing with hormones. Um, supplements can affect hormones. If you're taking melatonin to go to sleep, melatonin is actually a hormone. So then you're putting hormones on top of your body that already is making hormones. Um, so be very wary of putting any sort of medication or supplement into your body that is going to mess with your hormone levels, especially if you have a premenstrual disorder. That's one thing that I would recommend talking to a doctor about. If you find something that you want to take, take that information to your primary care physician and ask them what they think about maybe not necessarily a premenstrual disorder reaction, but what they think it would then do scientifically to your hormones. And that's a great way to start a good conversation with your doctor because then we're not, um, I think I got something on my face. Um, then we're not going necessarily into the premenstrual disorders, but we're talking about something scientific that a lot of doctors can handle a lot more easily than they can if we go right into uh, PME or PMDD or PMS, because we are still working on getting 
uh, as much scientific evidence as possible and studies and belief there in the doctor world. So hang in there, but that's a great way. That's a great thing to take to your uh, primary care physician or OB. Um, and then there's like medical conditions as well that can affect your hormones, diabetes being, you know, one of them, again, my mom's cancer, one of them that affects, uh, hormones. I, there's also like, uh, my girlfriend had to have her ovaries taken out because she had cystic, uh, cystic, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even think I can think I'm really good at it. Um, anyway, so she had cysts on her ovaries. There we go. And so she had to have her ovaries taken out. And so that affects her hormones because most of her reproductive uh, hormones are made in the ovaries. Now, listen, if you do have your ovaries taken out, you are less likely to have PME or PMDD or PMS. But remember and know that there are actually other glands like your thyroid that also and your gut that also produce a little a little bit of progesterone and estrogen. So it's not clean out of your body. If you get rid of your ovaries, there's actually still some in your body. And so you actually still can have PMDD or PMS or PME after you have your ovaries removed. If you opt in for a uh, medical surgery that way, because elective uh, total hysterectomy because you still are producing those hormones just in different spots. So just be aware of that. And also having a total hysterectomy opens up its own learning curve of uh, HRT and living with your body and because that puts you into menopause, essentially getting rid of the reproductive organs there. So if you are experiencing trouble with your hormones, if you haven't ever had your hormone levels tested, when you go into your primary care physician, it's wise to talk about getting a full blood panel or multiple hormones looked at and not just progesterone, estrogen, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone, but to look at uh, more hormones than that just because they play off each other. Remember that a female changes her hormone levels every single day. So if you are feeling off it's hard to gauge what your hormones are actually doing or how they are affecting you if you're only getting one blood test a year because we're changing so often. We actually don't know uh, if those ratios are right. You might be abnormal in level uh, compared to the general population, but that level might be okay for your body or um, something that's in a normal level might not be okay for your body. Um, Something that I like to suggest is looking up, having a certified professional do a Dutch test, D-U-T-C-H, and that actually um, is a more in-depth hormonal uh, panel that you can have done with a doctor who actually knows how to read that, and that can be a little bit more helpful than just a primary care physician, you know, blood-drawn panel. Those are healthy and it's better than nothing. Remember, we want to be able to work hand in hand with our physicians there. Um, but know going in that even if you feel crazy today, your blood panel might come back normal. Or even if you're feeling um, normal, your blood panel might not come back normal because it's just one snapshot versus that full gallery. Um, but your doctor can definitely help you identify, you know, problems, recommend treatments or supplements. Again, you can take your supplements in, but it's always important to like 
go in with kind of a base knowledge and a base of where you want to head and what you want to question. Um, I actually keep notes on my phone of questions that I have when I know that I'm going to go into the doctor so that then I can um, ask those because I tend to like my mind goes blank when I head into the doctor's office. So hopefully that is helpful for you guys, um, especially those with premenstrual disorders to think about um, all of the things that we can work on. So we can work on limiting our stress. We can work on our diet. We can work on our exercise and we can work on our medications and supplements. There's already, that's five things that you can work on uh, to better your hormonal harmony so that you can minimize your symptoms of having a PMD. Um, in our next episode, I have more suggestions that I can't wait to share with you on female hormones and keeping those in harmony. Um, we'll kind of dive in a little bit more there. I'm looking forward to what I have coming for this podcast and I am just so grateful that you have joined me and have listened with me and been educated on these things um, and how important they are. I also have on YouTube what is called the coaching corner. It's all the tips and tricks that I give to my clients just in video format. They're like three to five minutes long. They are the best little tools that you can stick in your pocket and pull out when you need them. Um, so go check that out over on YouTube. Um, you can check out Instagram where there's more educational things, um, especially this past month as I'm filming it, it's April and we've talked a lot about PMDD. So if you want more information there, um, and always on the Adagio fit website, I have updated the podcast, the interviews that I have been interviewed for, as well as, um, the other podcasts, the 1% and health that I am a part of and hopefully, um, you guys are just eating all of this up and as fascinated by it as I am. Thank you for joining me today. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Listen and Know. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative. Also, if you know someone who might benefit from this information and these ideas, please share this podcast and send people to the Adagio Fit website and Instagram account where there are more resources past podcast episodes and the ability to coach with me. Also, if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover, please let me know. I want to remind you that you are not alone. Millions of women around the world suffer from PMDs and there is help available. If you are struggling, please reach out to your doctor or a mental health professional. There are also many online resources available, such as my website, adagiofit.com, the Premenstrual Disorders Association website, pmda.org, or the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders, iapmd.org. Remember, health is personal and possible. You are not alone. Thank you for listening. Please note, this podcast is in no way to replace your primary care health doctor. I am not a doctor or a professional, and I ask that you consult with yours before you make any significant health changes. Thanks.